You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. And welcome to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community. Again, I am your host, Ben Wolf. Uh, We're going to learn from our guest today how, number one, he went from a frontline worker to CEO of his company. And uh, also, we're going to learn from him how to decide whether to self-implement a business operating system like he did uh, or whether to hire a professional implementer. He used, uh, he implemented uh, in his company and is currently implementing EOS, Entrepreneurial Operating System, uh, a way of uh, getting all the moving pieces of a business working together in harmony, getting everybody 100% on the same page about where the company is going, how it's getting there, and everybody executing 100% the right way every time uh, within that system. Um, and uh, so he did EOS and, and and our guest today actually self-implemented that and rather than using a professional implementer, which is kind of rare to see success in that kind of effort. So I definitely want to learn from him how they did it and how he did it. Um, and as always, the goal of the show is to share information and tools that people can use immediately in their businesses and in their lives. Uh, that mission, that goal really defines who who I and we are inviting on as a guest here, and it's defining what we talk about. So please remember to subscribe, leave a review on whichever medium you're listening to this on, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, whatever else it is, uh, because that will not only make the value that we are sharing here today more accessible to yourself and future episodes, but also make it more accessible to other people because it'll come up higher in search results uh, according to the algorithms of these various platforms. The more people who are leaving reviews, hopefully five-star reviews, and who are subscribing. So please go ahead and remember to do that right away. And um, with that, we will be able to share the value that we are sharing here, which again is always is not just all inspiring entrepreneurial success stories like going from a frontline employee all the way up to CEO, but uh, but really sharing value and information that you and other people can use right away. And this just makes it more available to everybody and to yourself. So with uh, that, I will get I will move on to introducing our guest today, who, like I said in the introduction, started off as a tech, a network tech the low, lower level of his company and ultimately worked his way up over several years to his current role as CEO of Imagis Innovations, an IT services company. Uh, he implemented EOS, the Entrepreneurial Operating System Framework, in his company. Uh, in the past, he'd served in the U.S. Army. You can find out more about his company at ImagisInnovations.com. That's ImagisInnovations.com. And without further ado, I give you Sam Shargo. Welcome, Sam. Thanks, Ben. All right, pleasure to have you here today. So uh, let's get started, maybe with some background here. So um, you know, we you know we previewed this, but uh, you started off as a as a, as a network tech uh, at your company's predecessor company, and uh, now you're CEO. So like, tell us a little bit about your story. You know, I, I'm sure I'm sure there's a lot of detail over several years that we could go into, but you know, give us the Cliff Notes version. Like, how did that happen? How did you end up at your company? You know, what, what's the story? 
Sure. So I'll uh, I'll try to keep it simple. Uh, as, as you mentioned, kind of there was a lot of a lot of detail that went into it over the years. But um, my journey actually started pretty early on um, doing freelance computer repair work. Um, started getting into you know medical offices and supporting kind of small healthcare practices. I uh, did a couple of years serving the serving the army, uh, doing network support and cybersecurity. Um, mm -hmm. Coming out of the army. Um, so that was two was, years you were in the army. Uh, three years, yeah. Okay. So it was uh, three years with the uh, with the U.S. Army National Guard. Well, thank you for your service. Thank you. Um, and uh, nothing. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> well, um, you know, coming out of coming out of the coming out of the army, I was looking for work and uh, got offered some different places, some large enterprises, mid-sized companies, uh, and I came across Langate at the time. Uh, it was kind of a a one-man shop. Um, and again, Langate, you know, Langate is like a, you might call a predecessor company to Imagis Innovations. Where you are yeah, now? that's right. That's okay. right. It was kind of the early beginnings. Okay. Um, there was two sides of it. There was a software side and the IT side. The IT side was kind of a one-man show, if you will. Um, and uh, Vlad, who was the owner of the company, um, gave me an opportunity to uh, to join so him. So you were in hard. You were you were working on, on hardware, right? Just to clarify. Correct. Yeah. This okay. was on the this was on the IT side, um, doing network support for small mm -hmm. small businesses. Okay. Um, so Vlad gave me the gave me the opportunity to join the team, and um, it, it was kind of interesting because the offer he gave me was uh, a lot less than everything everything else that was out there for me, but. I decided to take a chance. Um, I, you know, he believed in my potential, and uh, I believed in the opportunity to to learn and grow. Well, why um, is it? Why is that? Why did you choose out of multiple opportunities? Why did you choose one that was paying less? Yeah, it's 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 a good question. Um, you know, I've I've kind of found that small smaller companies uh, give you an opportunity to really kind of get your hands into different parts of the business, really understand it, um, you know, in and out. Whereas in, in larger organizations, and this is not the case for all of them, of course, but in, more often than not, you know, large organizations are very siloed. Um, you get put into experience. right, and you get put into a job, and you kind of do the same thing over and over again. Um, mm -hmm. There's so there's a little opportunity. Experience in a in a much smaller company. Correct. Yeah, and um, I've always had an entrepreneurial spirit, and so it was really interesting for me to really learn kind of all aspects of the business. Um, but primarily, I was in a technical back, role. Back, backing up a job, how, how did you how did you see or express your your longtime entrepreneurial spirit? What did you mean by that? Uh, well, it's curiosity. You know, it's it's always kind of asking asking questions and how does this work and why do we mm -hmm. do things this way and why do we do things that way? Um, you know, I've I've always kind of been uh, interested in having my own company, my own business, um, mm -hmm. and in a smaller in a smaller firm like Langate at the time. Uh, it gave me the opportunity to really see it uh, from all from all sides, and not just from a, from a technical role. Okay. All right. So then, so then, how did how did that progress? I mean, again, Cliff Notes version, but like, how did that progress? How did you go from, you know, again, to being a network tech, uh, doing IT, ultimately to now running the company? Like, how did how did that? How did yeah. You so. There, there was a there was a little gap there uh, actually, and uh, over time, over years of kind of doing technical work, I felt I've kind of uh, outgrown it a little bit to a certain extent, and I wanted mm -hmm. to get more into the business side of it. I wanted to deal more so with clients, having more strategic conversations, not necessarily doing the the nitty gritty technical work anymore. 
Um, and so at that time, I actually left Langate. I went to go work for another MSB out in South Jersey. Uh, and the job I got hired for was not actually the job that I got there. Um, I ended up working as the COO for that organization. It was a much larger MSB. There were about you know 50 or so people. Um, I worked as COO there for about MSB a year. MSB or MSP, like a managed service provider, or managed services provider, correct? Okay. Um, and th within that year, uh, it was kind of the first time ever that I was put into uh, a certain job where I didn't touch technology at all. Mm -hmm. I didn't touch a server, I didn't touch a router, I didn't touch any of that stuff. Uh -huh. And I was solely focused on the operations of the company. Um, it was an interesting opportunity because it was a very fast-growing MSP, and they were going through a lot of different growing pains. Um, so there was uh, a lot of chaos going on internally. And we, uh, we were working with this business management consultant who was kind of industry-specific, and he actually introduced us to the book Traction. Okay. Um, and that's how we got started with EOS. You know, I read through I read through all the books in the series at the time. Um, got really interested in it. Uh, he hooked us up with an EOS implementer. We had uh, multiple sessions with him, uh, which was great. But you know, internally the leadership team decided, well, maybe let's try to do a self implementation instead. And the main mm -hmm. question there was, well, who's going to run it? Um, and so I volunteered and. Uh, it was kind of put put on me to be solely responsible for managing that whole process end to end. One second, you um, know what? I, I do want to I do want to get to this in a minute, but I want to I want to maybe first continue with the, the story you were telling about uh, about about how you about how your progression from starting off as a network tech to CEO. If you if you'll be able to like I don't know pick up on that part of the process first, and I, I want to come back to this. It's all kind of intertwined, really, because okay. um, the you know the exposure into EOS kind of opened my eyes a little bit more to kind of the the management and leadership of an organization, which okay. then actually led me to leave that company and look for opportunities to have my own business, mm -hmm. which actually led me back to my roots at Langate. Um, <laughs> Vlad was uh, was looking to exit. Uh, he just got tired of tired of running this kind of business and was looking to focus on other ventures and was looking was for he, someone to come in. Owner? Was, he, yes. was he the owner? Yes, so he, he, was, oh, he, was he was the owner and the founder. Owner and CEO, but he was looking to continue his owner and get out as CEO, basically? Correct. He wanted okay. to he wanted to exit out of the venture and focus on other things. Um, okay. he's, uh, uh, he's, he's big on starting up different kind of businesses in different fields. Um, mm -hmm. And so he wanted to he wanted to venture out that way. He was looking mm -hmm. for someone to either buy the company from him or step in, become a partner, and uh, and run the shop. Uh -huh. And so for me, it was a it was a great opportunity because um, essentially I was able to enter into an organization without really putting any money down. Um, you know, there was already kind of a pre-existing relationship there with Vlad. Um, right, right. There was a certain level of trust, and uh, I re-entered the company back in 2000. I want to say 16, uh -huh. uh, this time as a, as a partner and executive director. Wow. Um, and so it was, uh, you know, over several years, we were implementing EOS internally and a lot of internal restructuring, people changes, strategy changes. 2019 is the year we uh, rebranded into mm. what is now known as Imagis. Okay. Okay, well, that, no, I appreciate that. And I, I guess so, I guess part of my question about this is 
for other people out there. Maybe maybe we're talking not not to owners now, but to other people at companies. Um, what you know? How, how was it that you were able to to do that to make that large leap? And it, and it is interesting that you left for a while, because that is kind of a theme I've heard. I know, you know, I talk to people that have been well, let's say in the corporate world. You know, that they kind of bounce between government and the banks or whatever you know by you know by kind of like hitting a certain ceiling in terms of how far up they could go in their organization and then kind of going sideways going into government or vice versa going from government into the private sector to be able to make a a, a jump or an advancement that they couldn't do otherwise and then when they hit kind of a ceiling again with somebody that's kind of there long term you know then they jump back again you know maybe they went from government to government to private sector to government or vice versa um so in a, in a way, I guess it sounds like you did a little bit of that with the fact that, you know, the fact that you left for a couple of years and got new experience and that was, you know, part of your path toward, toward you know, being able to continue growing in the same company, although that was not necessarily the, obviously the plan from the beginning. But curious how, um, you know, I guess what, what advice or, or how would you, what are the keys to, being able to do that for other people, you know, if they want to know, you know, you know, is this the kind of company that I could have a long-term future in or, or if so, you know, if so, how, how would I do it? What are the steps that one can take or should take if they want to be able to grow or continue advancing in their, in their company and, and you know, kind of the amazing way that, that you did? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, the answer to that question is probably going to be different for different people uh, mm -hmm. based on their circumstances. But uh, a lot of it has to do with knowing what you want, um, knowing, you know, where you actually want to see yourself in the next, you know, three to five years. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it's about timing. Uh, it was really kind of about timing for me in, in my case. Uh, where you know my my part was my partner today was looking to exit or focus on other things right, and was right. looking for someone else to come in. Um, I think if that wasn't the circumstance, I probably wouldn't have the the opportunity that I did. Right, right. There's um, an element of things outside your control, obviously. Yeah, hundred percent. It's going to play into it. And you know, being an entrepreneur or kind of being an owner in the company uh, obviously comes with its own set of challenges, as I'm sure you know as well. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not for everybody. Uh, and sometimes it, it takes kind of leaving your current um, your current environment and changing your environment entirely to to really uh, get a different perspective on things. Um, and in certain cases, you have to kind of lose something in order to recognize how important it actually is to you. Right. Well, how, how did you go about... I mean, you know, part of what you talked about is is clearly stuff that's outside of you know of one's own control. But part of it is, you know, part of it that you mentioned is being in touch with what you, who you are, what you want to do. How did you go about clarifying that for yourself? Like again, something other people might learn from. Yeah. So I think um, being being put into that role of uh, chief operating officer and and really just focusing on the operations and management, I it was. It was really weird for me at first because I've always kind of considered myself as an IT guy and right, I'm a doer. techie, I'm a geek, right? I'm a doer. Um, and, you know, I, I think it was it was challenging for me to shift into that role, but it was really eye-opening for me. Uh, and and I really enjoyed awesome. my work in, in operations because um, mm -hmm. looking at a business holistically, understanding how things actually integrate together, 
um, it was fascinating for me. And I just started getting into, you know, all kinds of books and, uh, you know, Lencioni and Covey mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And uh, it was it was really, um, I really enjoyed the process. And at a certain point, I was like, you know, wow, I really need to go into some kind of management or leadership uh, long term. And, you know, technology was great and being tech was great, but that's not where the future is for me. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, once I came to the realization at that point, it was like, well, you know, is this the right company for me or do I need to do something of my own? Um, and that's kind of when I was exploring the other other opportunities outside right. of that company. Well, so let's say in that let's say in that kind of scenario where somebody realizes like you did, the, you know, in the, in the in the first iteration at your company. So you realized or so one realizes that that they you know maybe they did hit the ceiling there you know there's like their you know whatever their position is is somebody that's going to be long term above them and you know uh, you know that's maybe not necessarily a place where they're going to be long term for whatever reason um so do you have any thoughts on like how long should one stay what should one accomplish in that current role before they try to move on or any thoughts on that like when is it when is the moment ripe or when is it when is it overripe <laughs> Um, I think a lot of it is, uh, is emotional, um, but there's also some kind of practical elements that you need to consider, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the challenge that uh, I've always kind of faced growing up, wanted to have my own business was, you know, how do I find the money to, you know, create a startup, right? How do I find the, the means mm-hmm. to, to live and at the same time fund the, fund the new business? Uh, mm-hmm. So there's some practical elements to consider there, but uh, it's also an emotional thing, right? Um, I've I've always uh, I've I'm the type of person I've had a hard time with authority uh, and reporting to someone else, and I've kind of had the the, the attitude of uh, if I don't believe in what you're telling me, I'm there's no way in hell I'm gonna do it. <laughs> I gotta I gotta well, believe it. I gotta understand a, it. I mean, you must have done okay with uh, with Vlad over those years if you, <laughs> if you got invited back. I mean. So. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it came with its own struggles. Uh, it definitely came with its own struggles. You know, I'll tell you that um, implementing EOS in the organization was uh, was a huge game changer, um, tremendous so. game changer. Um, well, you know, the prior to EOS, um, the environment was um, unhealthy to say the least. It's uh, Everyone's kind of running around doing doing all kinds of different things. There was a different understanding of you know why are we doing what we're doing and where is it that we're really going. Mm-hmm. Um, having that clarity really kind of puts things in, in, in a different light and a different perspective. Um, having kind of a common language to communicate by is also a big deal. Oftentimes, people in, in leadership teams will they think they're that they're saying one thing, but everybody else understands it completely differently. It's like everyone's talking different languages. Um, so having kind of a common framework to, to operate the business and to lead the organization was a tremendous, tremendous help with that and really provide a lot of clarity for myself and, and my partner um, in terms of, you know, where we're going, what we need to be doing today. No, that's, I mean, that, that, that's great for people to, to understand and, and learn what, what is... Um what what that does what that what that did for you personally and you know with, with implementing EOS, so all right so so, so yeah so let, 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 maybe now is a good time and this is a great time to get back to that you spoke earlier how you tried a couple of sessions with an EOS implementer 
uh, which was good, but then you tried to go out and you guys decided to self-implement so or continue your implementation on your own. So how how did you how did you do that? Um, well, there's a, there's a multitude of ways. Um, there's um, a lot of self-discipline, I would say, and self-awareness. Um, it was kind of an integral part of the process, really. Um, you know, I signed up for Basecamp, went through all the books, went through all the videos, the material, the guides. Just to clarify, just to clarify for users, Basecamp is the uh, Basecamp is the online learning uh, platform that EOS Worldwide has that. EOS implementers, the professional EOS implementers use to, um, you know, to, you know, to learn and to get their continuing training on how to implement EOS for their clients. Uh, but you as a self-implementing client uh, or self, not client, but you as a self-implementing company, um, you know, you signed up for EOS as if you were a professional implementer. And this is several hundred dollars a month. And, um, and just to clarify out there also that, uh, you know, I... I personally, Ben Wolf, I am an EOS implementer myself. In addition to helping clients as a fractional integrator, or you know what you might call an outsourced COO, um, and um, so I'm helping companies. Uh, I'm helping companies as as, a, as an EOS implementer, um, as an outsider, as a consultant, and um, so I, you know, so I think it's. So I think it's very interesting. So, okay, so you just to get back with that context, as you read the books in kind of the EOS library, you subscribed to uh, the Basecamp uh, learning system. So, yeah, I would just want to continue there. Sure, yeah. So, you know, went through all the content, went through all the videos, uh, really took the time to understand, you know, what is it going to take to run uh, what they call a pure EOS session. Right. Um, and a big part of that is kind of disconnecting yourself and your own bias, uh, which is really difficult to do, by the way. Uh, but when you're running those sessions and you're facilitating a, a focus day or a vision building day, um, it's really critical that when you when you discuss issues and bring them to light, that uh, you separate your own bias from the facilitation aspect of it. But then you reintegrate as you're um, trying to solve and discuss certain issues and challenges. <laughs> well, that, yeah, it almost sounds kind of schizophrenic, or maybe that's not the right term anymore. <laughs> but, um, you know, but, um, you know, multiple personality to be like taking on the hat of the facilitator and facilitating as an impartial third party outsider. And then, then you sit down, you know, kind of standing up, and then you like quickly turn around and sit down at the table and put on your, you know, your CEO hat. <laughs> And, you know, as a, as a member of the leadership team and, and talk from that in the business perspective, non-facilitator. And um, it, it definitely does sound challenging. Another another challenging aspect, or not, I shouldn't say challenging, but another aspect of that uh, is just to give people more context is, you know, you're referring here to sessions. So, again, for those who are not familiar with EOS, the way that, the way that EOS implementers, outside EOS implementers, help their clients implement EOS in their companies is by a series of one day sessions. And you mentioned a focus day. So that's the initial day session where they kind of get going in the, you know, in implementing EOS after the first one day session. And then you mentioned vision building days, which are two more days in the first quarter that uh, the leadership team spends with an EOS implementer. And so are you saying that you actually did full day sessions not just like did it bit by bit in the course of regular meetings within the company 
No, we ran pure EOS sessions. We did full day sessions off-site, um, just like if it was a professional implementer doing right. it. Except that you're just kind of like, you know, putting on one hat and then sitting back down at the table as a member of the team afterwards. Yeah, but you know, that was there was something there was something interesting uh, about my role at the time that, that uh -huh. made that a little bit easier. And okay. and that was that I didn't have um, I didn't have a, a specific responsibility in the day-to-day -day of the organization. Uh -huh. uh, my role was really focused on operational improvements uh, and kind of working on the business rather than in the business. Mm. Um, and I think that was really essential to my ability to, to be able to do the self-implementation. And I think for you know anyone else that is considering um, to do self-implementation of EOS, that's something they should consider doing uh, is either having bringing someone on board who's just going to be doing that EOS implementation internally without a specific uh, you know day-to-day in-the-business role, mm -hmm. um, or bring in a professional implementer to do it. Well, you know, and I, I guess all of that kind of goes to, you know, maybe that's connected to what I was going to ask next, which is, which is how you're, I mean, you know, so look, you're, you're participating in hours and hours of training through Basecamp. You're, you know, participating in, you know, in several, you know, days, of, of full day sessions. And obviously you had the preparation for those sessions. And I mean, I, I guess what I picture is for most leaders in companies, you know, I guess one of the biggest challenges if they did want to self-implement is just that they're so busy already. And, you know, how on earth do you come up with the time? If you want to do this right, and you're saying what's necessary to doing it right, at least in your experience, is, you know, is spending hours and hours and hours on the trainings and doing the, the you know, and the financial investment in base camp and uh, doing the full day sessions and really really spending many, many hours outside of, of the work in the company and working just on the company and really even working on just the training, not even working on the company per se. So I guess what I see as a blockage for that for, for most people, and maybe this is the, the reason why most people who attempt to self-implement don't really succeed and they don't really get the, you know, the full benefit of, of what EOS is supposed to get them um, because they're not, you know, they're not fully going all out in the way that you did. Um, but how were you able to spend that much time away? And again, maybe you partially answered this by saying you didn't have a lot of op obligations within the company uh, in any particular operational divisions. But that just seems like the biggest challenge for most people, right, is how are they going to how are they going to have enough time for this? They're so busy. Yeah, and um, that was a challenge. Uh, that's a challenge for a lot of organizations. Uh, you know, that was a challenge for an organization that, that I started the EOS implementation at as well. They were, you know, 50 or so people and people had utilization of like 110, 120% in the company. Yeah. I mean, it was insane. Um, but it's really a matter of prioritizing, right? And if you, if you put things, um, if you consider that, you know, spending a little bit of time working on the business will actually get you to spend less time working uh, in the business in the long term because you'll you'll have more smoother processes in place. You'll be running more efficiently, right? There's there's a tremendous kind of multiplier effect that happens there, um, and there's tremendous time savings that occurs over the long term. But you got to be willing to to spend the time and effort um, early on to to make those changes and spend the time working on the business. Uh, for a lot of companies, it's very difficult to do, right? Because you just get sucked into yeah. the day-to-day the -day stuff and you got, yeah. you know, fires you're putting out every single day. Right. But 
you have to make time. I mean, that's, but that's the same thing with having a professional implementer as well, right? Regardless of how you implement, you have to, you have to spend the time and, and yeah. dedicate the energy towards it. Even outside of sessions, right? As you know, Ben, you know, people have to spend a little bit of time doing a little bit of homework too, you know? Yeah, yeah. You, well, you got to put together the accountability chart. I mean, you're doing the 90 minute meeting. I mean, the, the, that's right. Meetings every week. The, uh... And and you know, like depending on the team dynamic, sometimes that extra effort takes up much more time than the actual uh, EOS sessions. Right. Um, so it's it's a commitment. Uh, it's a tremendous commitment, but you have to. I think with I think with anything that requires any significant commitment, um, you have to understand why you're doing it. Uh, and you have to know what what are your expectations, and you know why 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 even bother. Um, I think if having clarity on that and reminding yourself consistently of why you're spending so much time and effort on it helps you prioritize and helps you make that time to uh, to do it. Uh, here and also maybe relatedly, how did you get buy-in? So I, I, you know I understand. I mean everything you're saying makes perfect sense to me. But sometimes it's hard, even if you understand that, to get buy-in so that the other people that you're working with, your partners or your CEO, are, you know, when you were at the last company, are, um, you know, are appreciate that, in, you know, that time investment that you're spending, quote-unquote, away from the business in order to obviously have that force multiplier afterwards. But how did you get buy-in from other people, and from a CEO, from a partner, to be able to appreciate the value of this, you know, this big time investment that you were doing in, in learning how to learn what you had to learn to do this self-implementation of EOS. I think a big part of it is alignment uh, in terms of goals and having um, having a unified vision, um, regardless of the how, right, or the as long as you as long as you have a clear why uh, and you're both you both want the same things out of it long term. Um, that's probably the first step to, to getting the buy-in. And the other part of it is making sure that, that people understand that you're not against them. This, this is something that you're doing because you are for them uh, and you want to help improve. And, um, you know, you have to show a little bit of empathy, I guess, towards people. Mm -hmm. um, and, then, and I think when people understand that you're doing this for to benefit them, and they understand how it's going to benefit them, uh, the buy-in then comes comes naturally. Granted, it's it's easier said than done, and I'm probably you know speaking with you know hindsight being 2020 now. Uh, <laughs> you know, I've 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 made my fair share of mistakes in terms of getting getting buy-in from people. Mm -hmm. um, I have a kind of personality where I'm I'm very uh, very driving and kind of pushy to get stuff done and. Um, I've often had to remind myself that you know not everybody is necessarily at the uh, on the same wavelength as I am when it comes to implementing certain changes. Right. Um, and so it's it's really just kind of about understanding where people are and what challenges they struggle with, uh, helping them understand that you again right you're for them and you want to help them. And once they understand how it's going to help them, and you paint that picture and that vision of what is possible. Um, then that's really how you get the buy-in. Um, then they'll they'll be on board with you to help implement those changes. But it can't be that you're, you know, shoving things down people's throats. Mm -hmm. uh, it has to be a collective effort. You can't implement EOS on your own, whether you're self-implementing or uh, or using an implementer. My point with that is that it's it's a collective team effort, right? Everybody has to contribute to the whole process. Right. Right. That makes sense. Um, 
And uh, yeah, so so it sounds like, I mean, look, yeah, you know, it absolutely right. There's everybody needs to be involved in the process, and um, you have to have everyone have to have everyone's buy-in. And and there is efforts, you know, even if you are use, even if somebody's using a, a professional implementer or an EOS implementer on the outside, um, you know, it may save a lot of time in the sense of not having to do the whole EOS implementer training like you did. Um, but uh, it's still going to be them implementing it in their own company and actually carrying out what's learned and what's, you know, following up on what was facilitated in the sessions and what was taught in the sessions uh, and, and actually bringing it into actuality in the company. And that, that still is work. And, and uh, that's something, you know, you have to have alignment on and, you know, people need to be on board with if it's going to be successful. Um, and um, so that's really fascinating. And, you know, one other thing I want to ask before we before we break today is uh, is another kind of a random question, which is uh, I saw when I was when I was looking through your LinkedIn activity feed, I saw a really interesting. It was just a comment even actually that you left on somebody else's post. And I think it connects to what you said about knowing why you're doing things a minute ago. Uh, but, you know, so but I, this just really piqued my attention. And I really wanted to get your take on what you mean by this and how it affects you and your life and your world. Uh, which is, you wrote the following, our intentions and beliefs are the most powerful power we possess as humans. If we learn to live intentionally, we gain ultimate control over our lives. It all starts and ends with our mind. It was just like a very poetic, like LinkedIn comment, you know, very different from what I usually see. Not, you know, everyone has wonderful, thoughtful comments, but it was just, you know, particularly poetic. And so I was just curious how you came to that understanding and how that a message that you shared on someone's post, how that interacts with your interacts with your daily life. Yeah, so it's uh, <laughs> it is it is kind of poetic, I guess, in nature. Um, but it's uh, I think it's it's not like you know one day I woke up and came to this realization. I think it's a, it's a journey, right? Just like everything else in our lives. Um, but uh, you know, part of it had to do with you know personal health. Some of it had to do with. Uh, kind of the changes that I made in my career, uh, but you, you know something that that I found is that you know living most people live accidentally. Mm-hmm. Um, they just let life happen and then they react Reaction. to that. Mm-hmm. Correct. And um, you know Viktor Frankl um, actually wrote in in one of his books that um, you know between stimulus and response lies the power to choose, mm-hmm. and uh, it's, it's all about how we choose to react to something, right? Think things happen um, that we have absolutely no control over. Uh, but having knowing that we have the ability to choose how we respond to something gives us that ultimate control. Um, and, you know, waking up every day, knowing why you're doing certain things just gives you so much um, purpose and, and clarity um, and positivity in, in your world and in your life. And I tried to kind of implement that for myself. Granted, not every day is perfect, right? But we all, we all try uh, as best that we can. And so I've, I've kind of made a commitment to myself uh, over the years that I want to live an intentional life. Uh, I want to live a life with purpose and, and with meaning. And I hope that other people uh, can do the same as well. I hear What's uh, if you don't mind me asking, what what's an example or what's an area where, where that mindset has made a difference for you? Um, probably our company, uh, probably here at Imagis. Um, you know, I've I've kind of designed the vision, if you will, for for our organization, uh, kind of our, our mission and, and where we're going. 
um, and it's kind of transformed uh, transformed us culturally uh, as well. You know, we have people in different parts of the world and different time zones, um, and having that that unified vision uh, and intentional approach to why we do certain things um, has has made a tremendous change for our organization. Okay, fair enough. Thank you very much. And uh, so I think I think with that we're going to we're going to call it a day. But uh, again, people can learn more about Sam and his company at ImagusInnovations.com. And um, you know, I definitely Sam just really appreciate you coming out today and sharing uh, sharing your experience with uh, with you know with 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 the very interesting path that you've had in life and 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 the growth that you've had at at your company. Uh, you know, again, going from network tech over over a number of years to CEO eventually, um, and um, and uh, and uh, as well as your EOS journey and how you brought you know intentionality and you know the kind of preparations and work uh, and really hard work and preparation that you've done to be able to implement EOS successfully and really enable you and, and your company and and your and you know in the past company you were at for a little while to to really take off. So that's just really great. I appreciate you sharing all that value with us. And thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you, Ben. Thank you for having me. My pleasure, my pleasure. And we'll see everybody else on the other side. Thank you very much. You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.